You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Mixon makes a cut. Joe Mixon! Tonight's first touchdown, and the Bengals go on top. Deep to right field. Forget about this one. Number 30 on the air for the big man. And he's done it again against the Mariners. I know fan bases can, can get a little crazy. I said, I don't know what you told me about. No, nobody's panicking. Nobody's panicking. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them on the internet at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics providers, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Uh, guest list begins at 6 30 today. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN NHL analyst, is going to join us. We might not even talk about hockey with Greg. <laughs> We might just talk about the New York Jets. Yeah, Wish is a big Jets fan. I wonder what he thinks about Joe Namath absolutely ripping into the franchise. Broadway Joe is usually actually like quite supportive of the team. Yeah, and, and he, the sideline reporters. He was like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, let, he, he basically ripped into obviously Zach Wilson, but also the coaching and the management. And he basically said those guys should be fired. Said, I didn't take anything positive out of it. It was awful. They said he's seen enough. Of Zach Wilson at quarterback, to which everyone said, yes, Joe, we agree. We, too, have seen well, more than enough of Zach Wilson. The only one who seems to be supporting Zach Wilson is Robert Sala. No, 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 That's no, crazy. No. He did, thank you. No, he but there, there has to be. another choice. No, but there has to be. There has to be. <laughs> what? The there has to be what? someone. I don't know. You could so put it someone to be someone. worse. Well, you might as well try something, right? Yeah. Try, no. try anything. You could try, try you know, something. You know, instead of trying nothing. Try something. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it turns out. So Greg Wyshynski at 6.30 is going to join us on the program. 7.30, first-time guest on the program, Josh Dover from Denver Sports Radio. He's one of their afternoon hosts there, and he is a self-described Denver, Colorado sports nut, like follows all the teams, which is important because Denver has kind of become a very important place with regards to major stories, especially in football. Mm, Some good, some bad. Right, but just major stories, right? The Broncos have been an abject disaster, but they've been on top of a lot of headlines throughout the country. You've got the University of Colorado football team and Coach Prime. We can ask them about the Avalanche season coming up, right? There's a lot of intrigue and drama around that. They're home of the NBA champs, too. And they're home of the NBA champions. So Josh Dover is going to join us at 7.30 from Denver Sports Radio. 8 o'clock, it's Batch. Brandon Batchelor, we can relive all the highlights from Vancouver's nail-biting 10 nothing loss to the Calgary Flames. Yeah, they lost Sunday a heartbreaker. Night. It was tight. Batch was on the call. We'll talk to Batch about that. We'll look ahead to the rest of the games. There was a few uh, minor news and notes out of Canucks line that we can talk to Batch about as well, and we'll get into them in what happened. So working in reverse, guest list, 8 o'clock is Batch, 7.30, Josh Dover, uh, 6.30, Greg Wyshynski. That is the program. 
Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. We're actually going to start today with the biz bowl, specifically the Seattle Mariners, who are crashing their way out of the playoffs after an amazing, amazing August, in which I think they won every baseball game imaginable. The Mariners have fallen on hard times, and last night they came up against a vintage performance from Justin Verlander, a game which I watched in which I believe he threw approximately six pitches each inning. It was the most (laughs) economical and efficient game. Wasn't throwing hard, wasn't striking out a ton of guys, just got everyone to pop up or to ground out, and it was a 5-1 win for Verlander and the Astros over the Mariners on Monday night. Well, yeah, I thought Verlander was uh, going to throw the complete game, which I believe would have been the first complete game in Major League Baseball in about eight years. He had a chance. <laughs> Dusty Baker brought him out for the ninth, yeah. <laughs> and then he promptly gave up a double, and then Dusty's like, sit down, Justin. You're nice. He threw 96 pitches. Well, the Mariners he, was, had, he was efficient. The Mariners had their ace on the hill, too, mm-hmm. and Castillo just didn't get it done for Seattle. And now you're looking at the standings for the wildcard race, and the Mariners are in big trouble. And if you go to fan graphs, which we've been using for playoff odds, the Mariners' playoff odds are all the way down to 28%. Yep. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays, who didn't even play last night, are at 97.5%. So this race may actually not go down to the wire. There's still games left, and the Mariners are in, although they're in a tough spot, I suppose they're in a good spot because they do control their own destiny. Mm -hmm. They could come back and still win this series against Houston, take the next two, and then they've got four games uh, against the Rangers and all of these at home. But... The Mariners just aren't playing good baseball there's right a now, sense right? Of, like they there's had... a sense of f- finality and yeah. defl- deflatedness among the fan base mm-hmm. because they're watching this. The one that killed them, obviously, was losing the three straight to the Rangers. Like, that was the real death knell because they needed to get something out of that series, and they didn't. I mean, they, they went they got swept at home against the Dodgers, right? And then they won their three against the A's, which everyone was like, okay, great. You beat the A's just like everyone else. But what happens when you come up against a team... And I go back to what I said about the Jays yesterday. In your division that is in a playoff chase that you you need to take games from. Mm -hmm. And the Jays did that. I mean, the the big one from the Jays was taking two or three from the Rays. That was huge. They are not getting the job done at the most important time. It feels, August feels so long ago Mm -hmm. for the Mariners right now. It feels like that great run where Julio Rodriguez was making national pub and everyone's like, guys, this team's going to be a World Series contender. They can't lose. They're red hot. And they just hit the skids. In September, it was predictable that there would be some regression. The question was just how much, how bad it was going to be, mm-hmm. and whether or not they'd be able to right the ship when they inevitably hit hard times. Like yeah. they weren't going to go, they weren't going to stay hot all the way into the playoffs. Like that just wasn't going to happen. You look at this roster, you look at the baseball team, the baseball team isn't good enough, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes, what happens? Everyone listening to the show has watched sports for a while. Right? Unless sports. You're completely new to sports, right? This red hot team, what happens is they're playing 
good baseball. Um, and at the end of the streak, normally they win a few games that they shouldn't, mm-hmm. right? And things just like that, they aren't doing things as well as they were before. Maybe they get a little overconfident. Maybe they'll get a little cocky. And finally, the winning stops. And then the question is, are you a good enough baseball team to go, hey, listen, okay, enough of this. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to doing what we were doing before. But sometimes, like, I don't think, let's go around the room here. We can mm. talk to Laddie. Like, are the Mariners on paper that good? I think they've had a couple of key injuries to their rotation. You look at Gonzalez and Robbie Ray. You know, having yeah. Robbie Ray in there will make a huge difference right now. He's would. the guy they decided to would. spend their money yeah. on, right? Yeah. So if you look at them overall, you're kind of like, uh, you know. I think they're better than what they've shown, but only because of the injuries. But they, they weren't had. close to as good as what they showed in August. No. Right. Uh, so uh, just to circle it back to the Jays, Jays open up. So they got six games left, right, in the season. Three against New York, three against Tampa Bay. Open the series against New York tonight. And then they'll finish with three. And they're all at home, right? They finish with a six-game homestand, which is huge. So um, I'm, I'm fairly— Hooray for renovations. Yay, Renos. I'm confident in saying that the Jays are they're a playoff team. Now, you're, you must be— con- I know you don't want to say it. I'll say the quiet part oh, out loud. Well, even if they us. lose all six, it's still yeah, like, a, like 75% yeah, chance yeah. now. Which is, which is, amazing, which is an yeah. amazing thing. They should lose all six and just see what happens. They're three games up on the Mariners now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move to the football from last night. we got a pair of games that we need to get into— and I'll say this, the games last night for sports fans and anyone, a neutral observer, just looking to be entertained, not that entertaining. Mariners game fall dead flat. I guess if you really like pitching performances, then you like Verlander. Uh, Eagles, Bucks, not great. Bengals, Rams, complete slog. But I guess we'll start there because yeah. at least it was close. At least it was compelling at the end. Yeah. But not a good football game by any stretch. Joe Burrow still looks like he's about, I don't know, 50 to 60% health. Slogged his way to a 19 to 16 win over the Los Angeles Rams. His first win of the season, the Bengals' first win of the season. I doubt last night does a whole heck of a lot to silence any doubts, concerns, and questions about the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, they got a mm-hmm. win, but they got a win against what is kind of looks like a bang average Los Angeles Rams team. And they did it. Not necessarily through anything that Burrow did magically. He just kind of survived the game, managed to put up an off offense, didn't turn the ball over a ton, 19-16 win over the Rams. Yeah, if anything was impressive for me from the Bengals, it was their defense. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't Joe Burrow, and he spoke with the reporters after the game, and they asked him, you know, where are you in your recovery from your injury? And he's like, uh, we're getting there, mm-hmm. right? He's not 100%. And he was asked about the risk of playing. And he said, the risk of going 0-3 was bigger. Joe, he does know how to work a room. I'll say that. <laughs> Burrow's got good presence. He's going to be dating a starlet soon enough, I imagine. Maybe yeah. not quite Taylor Swift level, but he could fall in at some, I don't know, maybe opening act. By the way, how about the start that the Rams have been forced to have? Yeah. Like, they go into <laughs> Seattle, they yeah. get the win, but then they have to play San Francisco and Cincinnati. That's tough. They're they're they, yeah, can, can, it is tough. Can we uh can we conclude after three weeks that the NFC West is better Way than we expected better. it to be? Way better. Arizona could be three and zero. Yeah, they're they're one and two. They just upset Dallas, but in their first two games, they held leads late in the game. They could have beaten Washington, and they could have beaten the no. They should have beaten the Giants. Yeah, the Rams' schedule. Put it this way. They went in and waxed 
and I can say confidently, whack Seattle, a playoff team last year, in Seattle in week one. Then they get San Fran in week two, uh, a Super Bowl contender, and they lose by one score. Granted, it was kind of dodgy at the end when they kicked a field goal with no time left to make it a one-score game, but I digress. Then they go week three into Cincinnati to take on another very good team, team that went to the AFC title game last year in Cincinnati, and it's a, it's a one-score one game. Mm-hmm. So, like, L.A. is, again, I think they're an average to above-average team. It feels like they can play with anybody, yeah. but it makes the division way more difficult because now you're looking at your Seattle and you're saying, well... I was almost ready to chalk up four, four wins, wins right there between yeah. the Rams and the Cardinals. And now you're looking at it and you're saying, well, that's no longer the case. And there are way weaker divisions in the NFL right now. Uh, the other game last night, and someone texted in this morning. First text we got was Brett Langley, who, by the way, loves the show, guys. Hey, Brett Langley loves the show. Andy, give the thumbs up. Nice. Uh, Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Brett. What I learned, Brett writes, early what we learned, by the way, get your what we learned in Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. You guys need to get official picks from Mike Tannier. He nailed his advice last week. This week, he said the Eagles would cruise. Spread was six. And by taking the six and a half, I got plus money. I would have taken nine and a half, but I couldn't get it. Mike did say that yesterday with confidence when I asked him to preview Monday Night Football. said, is the 2-0 Buccaneers with Baker Mayfield? Are they going to be outed as a fraud? And he said, absolutely. The Eagles are going to go in and completely steamroll them. And they did. Jalen Hurts threw for a touchdown, ran for another one. Philly won its first eight games last year. They're off to a 3-0 start this year. Uh, what was the final score? It was 22-15 for the Eagles yesterday. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people would be like, oh, Baker Mayfield must have come back down to earth. I mean, he wasn't good, but... Jalen Hurts wasn't great passing either. This one came to be. This one came down to the Eagles' running game. Yeah, they they just, ran the ball down the yeah. throats of Tampa Bay. It was actually kind of similar to the Seahawks game. Run right, like run, Gino. Gino run. didn't play all that well. Yeah, I, I didn't think he was. I don't think he was spectacular. In fact, you know, he threw an interception, and there could have been more interceptions. But they ran the ball successfully, and they got the win. And Gino tacked on some pretty decent numbers at the end when he had the touchdown to Bobo. And then the yeah, 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 you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. It made but, his but, numbers but, look better. But I don't think I was watching Gino and be like, this is an unbelievable performance. It was all about the run. Well, yeah, it's funny because if you can work within the parameters of a good game plan and just win ball games, like that's exactly what Jalen Hurts does. Jalen Hurts uh, is now 20-1 and one over his last... 21 regular season games. That is a remarkable stat. Do you know who else was good in that game? Who? His name is also Jalen. Oh, yeah. I saw the highlights. He's good, man. Jalen Carter. He's he is he's really good. I am a little worried that the when we tell the story retroactively and retrospectively of the mm. Seahawks and that draft, that they are going to regret passing on Jalen Carter just because of the talent level. Because he... Not only is he a really good player, and if you saw him last night, he just makes individual plays where he just blows up the backfield, or he just makes a tackle. He's a giant. He's a huge dude, and he moves really quick. That's one thing. The other thing is, like, there wasn't a team screaming out for more interior defensive line help. Then the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, that was the and one. a plain like a like a guy that blows plays up. Yeah, and you, you know? were talking in the Rams game. You're like, "Where's the playmaker on defense?" And I'm like, "He's in Philadelphia." He's playing for the Eagles. That could have been their guy. And it's unfair to Witherspoon, right? Because I think he's been pretty good. Yeah, he showed so some far. things. It's just different. Well, it's just different when you've got that type of player versus uh, a guy in the secondary. And I know guys in the secondary are very important now because the NFL is a passing league. And you have to have guys that can break up passes. And Witherspoon did that quite well in the last game. But 
I just watched Jalen Carter play. And and for the record, I didn't want the Seahawks to draft him. I thought there were a lot of red flags out there. Because there are a lot of red flags. Because there are a lot of red flags, yeah. and this could still go sideways. But it was probably the perfect situation for Jalen Carter to go to a good football team, mm-hmm. right? And there's expectations, and you don't go to a place where, I don't know, they're trying to build a culture, and maybe nobody knows who the leaders are, and they don't really have a good thing going, and you're losing and you accept losses. You go to Philadelphia, there's a very, very passionate fan base there that's going to expect the most out of you. He has been very good. Uh, I believe I erred in reporting the final score of the Eagles and um, Buccaneers game yesterday. It was actually, and I, I, this, I apologize for this because this is something that I find cool. Uh, it was twenty-five to eleven, which means it was a scoreagami. Really? Yep. Still getting those, eh? We got two this weekend because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but seventy to twenty is also a <laughs> u- unique score in the National Football League. I swear there was so, one the week before. For those that have for those that have no idea what scoregami is, there is I, I think it's a single gentleman. It may be a team of people. They track every single NFL game every week to try and find a score that's never happened. I think before. it's just an AI program. That you think? Scans. I think it's previous. an individual because it feels like that personality, that scoreagami. Uh as for the Canucks, the Vancouver Canucks uh, made a few moves yesterday. No, they did not send everyone who participated in the Calgary game back to uh Abbotsford or even Kalamazoo. I didn't know you could cut 25 yeah, players yeah, in one you game. Missed <laughs> you, missed. you missed a good time. Yesterday. Well, I know I was really sad to not be here yesterday because uh, that would have been fun. Because there there was a lot everyone of everyone saying rough don't freak out. <laughs> that was the whole well, inbox apparently. Because yeah. we said at the end of the show we're like they could send a message today by just having a letter that says the following players are released and then it would just say everyone that played against Calgary yeah you're done but they didn't do that so they sent five guys back to junior including goalie Ty Young who they signed to an entry level contract laddie do you know anything about Ty Young that you that you can add or of course he knows about are, Ty are, Young. are you I don't are know you, a ton but okay. he's he's been sort of buried in the roster in the WHL so hopefully mm-hmm. this year he gets to shine a little more and play a little more cuz i haven't seen a ton of him He's been a backup for most of his career. So among the players sent back was, of course, Ty Young and uh, Hunter. How are we doing his name here? Bershowitz? Brewstowitz. If, if you were to actually. I think we should just call him Bruiser. Bruiskowitz? Yeah, Bruiser. We were, we Brewster. Got, <laughs> Brewer. If we were to actually Bruiser. sound out his name, it would be Bruzustowitz. That's how we should do it. Is that why they cut him? They couldn't <laughs> pronounce. Yeah, Taka was like, this enough of this. Like, Hunter, yeah, are you Hunter B? This is way too many syllables. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks um, play again Wednesday uh, in Edmonton against the Oilers. And the Oilers have already played two preseason games. They got shut out by the Jets last night, 5 nothing. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have yet to play in the preseason. So I imagine they're probably going to play. It, it would be funny if the Canucks more or less dressed the same roster and the Oilers just loaded up again. Yeah. <laughs> Canucks are like, we're going to do it again. See if it, it works this time. Um, I, I wonder how uh, Tockett is going to deploy his goalies the rest of the preseason. So we all know that Arthur Silas was the, was the poor starter. Yeah. Uh, and Calgary stayed in there for two periods. Uh, he allowed seven goals. Um, you got to think Demko and DeSmith will get at least two appearances each. I, I don't know. Like, it's probably up to the goalies and the goalie coach to say, like, hey, guys, like, how much do you want to play? Mm-hmm. Um, but I imagine they want to get, the, uh, you know, both of those guys in there sooner rather than later just so 
you know how much they'll have to play? Like, what if one of them goes in there and is super rusty and he's like, oh, I could use as much work as I could possibly get in the preseason? Um, as for all the goalies, I think Seelovs is probably going to start the season in Abbotsford and not just because he didn't play well against Calgary, because that's where he should be. Mm-hmm. He's young, uh, he doesn't need waivers. And that's where he should be in Abbotsford, playing a bunch of games, learning his craft, not sitting on the, on the bench as the backup to Thatcher Demko, which is why the Canucks did Long. bring in a guy like Casey DeSmith. Um, Spencer Martin, I assume, is probably going to be in Abbotsford too, unless he's traded or possibly claimed on waivers because he does need waivers. And Elliot Freeman uh, was saying recently on the 32 Thoughts podcast that Colorado's looking for a goalie. Yeah. And they know Spencer Martin, so maybe Spencer Martin would make sense for a team like Colorado. And I wonder if the Canucks would actually welcome that because they got a goal. They got a lot of goalies now. Yeah. And you don't. You don't want. I know that they can send some guys down to Kalamazoo uh, in the ECHL. I really like saying that. By the way, Kalamazoo and Rancho Cucamonga. They're fun places to say. Fun places. You know to what? Say. I think they should sign another goalie. Have seven. They should have- maybe eight. So it's six right now under contract, right? Yes. Yeah. But, Ty Young, but Ty Young is going back to junior. Yeah, he's, right? his doesn't start until he yeah. finishes his junior. I, I wasn't counting Young as no. one of the six. No, they have six legit yeah. that need to play this year somewhere. Yeah. And Well, yeah, because you know when they brought in DeSmith, the first thing I thought was, okay, I wonder what that does mean for Martin. Because he's a, he's a nice-to-have guy at that point. You don't necessarily need him. He's a great number three and a guy that can bounce between the mm-hmm. AHL and the NHL. Well, where, a, so seriously, where is Martin on the depth chart now? Is well, there's a lone four? possibility to the ECHL, right? That's kind of where he's at right Martin's, now. Martin's if, number three. Perhaps there's no, he's N- number four. Seelovs might be ahead of him. Yeah. Perhaps Maybe. there's an NHL team that could use Spencer Martin's services. Another, yeah, well, another well, we well just that's Colorado. what I just talked about. Yeah. Colorado. Probably. Yeah. But, I mean, outside, I mean, surely there are others as well. Well, injuries are going to happen early in the season. You get the myriad of yeah. groin and that's knee true. injuries. I mean, when so we talk somebody to, will need a goalie at Whenever some point. we talk to Woodley, he always puts the value of having a number three, a guy that's got NHL experience isn't, mm-hmm. is, and is not Seelovs. That's why I would say Seelovs would be number four because at least with Martin, you can say, well, he's played a bunch of games in the NHL. They haven't necessarily gone great, but he's played them. He's had some stretches of decent play in the NHL. So if you were ever put in a situation where you got to play a number three, that would be the guy. The flip side of it is those guys are hard to keep around because you have to put them on waivers. You don't like carrying three goalies on your active roster, right? You want to make sure that they can try and get some games down to the American League, and other teams are looking to pluck from you. So the weird thing about the Canucks preseason schedule is that the first three games are on the road and the last three games are at home. Um, Two at Rogers Arena, one in Abbotsford. Um, But typically how it goes in the preseason is – because your fans are buying tickets to the preseason games, you don't want to dress a lineup like the Canucks dressed in Calgary. You want to have some name recognition out there. So, you know, the tickets for the preseason aren't exactly cheap, and you're making your fans buy them, your season ticket holders buy those. So you're kind of like, all right, we'll give you something, right? But when the schedule is imbalanced with all the first three games on the road, and the final three games at home mm-hmm. because there's stuff going on at Rogers Arena. That's why that's happening. That's why that's going on. Um, then, like, what what's Rick Tocca going to do? Like, I imagine he's going to play some of his really good players in Edmonton on one Wednesday. And I kind of hope he does. Like, let's get these guys out there, yeah. right? Let's get them playing in games, um, you know, at the risk of upsetting fans if you don't dress the stars in maybe maybe one of the home games, but they need to get going. 
Um, they are not going to do what they did against Calgary lineup wise, probably again, this post, this, pre, this exhibition season. Um, I had kind of heard in talking to a couple different people that one, the organization was well aware of what Calgary was going to ice on Sunday and then what they were going to ice in response. Like they, right. both, both sides knew what was going on. Yeah. Then it, talk a bet on the flames. <laughs> so there was that. Um, and then the other, I can't part, take you out for pizza because, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other part of it was there was a little pushback that, Hey, maybe we shouldn't do this, that we shouldn't put a, a lineup this raw, this inexperienced, this they, young, this they, age. They were heavy. wondering about that. In the aftermath, I think everyone knew going in there was some trepidation about it's going to be yeah. bad. You know, you know why they had second thoughts? Because they lost ten nothing. Because they lost ten nothing. Yeah, I mean that's usually what happens, right? <laughs> when you lose ten nothing, is it kind of makes you look back on things. Was that wrong to do that? Did, did, we, did our lineup? Uh, should we? Should we? Should we not have done that? Was this an us problem? <laughs> was this a thing that we did? This number seems high. Yeah, we have a team of people working around this. Once again, absolutely nothing to be read into it, other than we should not do that again. And I think. We will see a much more competent NHL lineup on Wednesday in Edmonton when the Canucks take on the Oilers. Uh, we got a lot more to get to on the program. The Hockey Talk continues coming up next with Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. That's next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six thirty-two on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. That music means that Greg Wyshynski is going to join us shortly. Here, the highlight of hour one. Hour one of this show is brought to you by EverythingFinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them on the internet at everythingfinancial.com. To the phone lines we go. ESPN's Greg Wyshynski here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Wish? How are you, boys? The highlight of hour one. That is going to go on my tombstone, I think, one day. It's a resume. So it's a resume stuffer. It, it seriously it, is. You can put it at the bottom. Uh, everybody rush to, to my LinkedIn and see that I am <laughs> the highlight of hour one. Uh, 2023 to present. Uh, we we were almost going to start with hockey, but we have to start with the footballs because you're. <laughs> I cannot believe. Sorry, buddy. What you've had to go through in three short weeks, really a lifetime, but three short weeks of being a New York Jets football fan, um, and now it's <laughs> beloved Jets franchise icon Joe Namath being like, ah, <laughs> this stinks. I want no part of this. What's it like right now, Wish? Well, I mean, the Namath thing is great because, like, Na- Namath at this point in his life is is a paid ambassador for the team, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, for him to turn heel and and completely trash the starting quarterback to the point where he's like, I can't watch these games anymore, is is pretty remarkable. Um, but no, dude, like, I'm a Jets fan. I mean, this is this was always one of the realities in the multiverse for how this season was going to go. And, and I think every Jets fan was aware of it. Um, but I've said it time and time again. I said it again on Sunday when, you know, they lost in the manner in which they did to the Patriots to the point where they near, they had fingertips on a Hail Mary mm-hmm. at the end of the game to potentially win it. 
like I always hear from Browns fans and Lions fans and other team, other fans of struggling NFL franchises that always tell me, oh, geez, it's so tough to be us. I'm like, listen, like the, <laughs> the Jets lose, but when we lose, it's, it's never ordinary. Like, like a Lions fan, what's their biggest point of pain? That they'd watched Barry Sanders have one of the greatest careers in the history of football, but couldn't win on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Like Jets, when we lose, it's operatic. It's epic. When you, it, when you it, lose, sometimes never, you even win. Like people forget that yes. the Jets actually won that game against in in Week One. In Week One, exactly. So like so like, it's just different for us, and and that's honestly like, <laughs> it's what keeps you coming back is the new and exciting ways to lose on top of the quixotic Chicago Cubs slash Boston Red Sox quest to be there if it ever turns the right way, which based on the available evidence, it won't. Zach Wilson is simply one of the worst professional athletes I've ever seen. (laughs) It is bad. It is bad. I'm not, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. Like, like you, you either have a brain, that can process things on a professional level with the speed of the, of the modern athlete, mm-hmm. or you just zero in on, on one receiver, every play. And then the one time you don't, you you're facing a fourth and 10 and you throw a two yard pass. Like, <laughs> I mean, he, he, listen, I don't want to besmirch the guy. I don't know the guy. I think he might be dumb. Is it possible? Right. He's just dumb. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. Is there, is there a, is there a quarterback out there that, you want the Jets to go get? Because I keep coming back to the fact that it's been three weeks. The Jets are one and two. Try anything. And the people are like, well, what are you going to do? Bring in this guy? Like, yes. Whatever name you just came up with and you joke, like, is there a guy out there? Like, maybe, I I don't know, a lot of people are talking about maybe Kirk Cousins to the Jets. Yeah, name is. Like, any, (laughs) the bar is so low right now. That you could put in an 85-year-old guy or whatever, and you're going to get better results. No, look, listen. The offensive line kind of stinks, too, which is sort of a problem. But, but, but I don't put it all on them. I think Wilson Jones in the last year and a half, that just like he, he, he doesn't know how to get out of a pickle, right? Right. Other than trying to use his legs. And usually using his legs means running 15 yards the opposite way and then taking a sack. Um, I, they keep sticking with him. So I'm guessing that once Rodgers went down – there's probably something in the back of their mind saying, look, this season is borked. Like yeah. there's no point in trying to go out and get, you know, cousins or Stafford or somebody because like we, our, our grand plan went down four plays into the season. I know. And, and we're I, just going to ride this thing out. I, I know that there's been so much media coverage of this, that sometimes narratives take off and there's not a lot of actual meat on the bone, but there is that sentiment out there. And I've heard enough people talk about it that once Rogers got hurt, they were so committed to him, and you know they don't want to really upset the apple cart all that they're actually not bringing in a guy because everything is about Rogers for next year. Like, if someone was to come in and upset the cosmic balance in any way, shape, or form, like Kirk Cousins comes in and has a really good year and takes them to the playoffs and maybe wins, that they are so committed to Rogers this year and beyond that they don't want to mess up anything. Or they're paying him a lot, and There's they don't want too. to be on the hook for even more money. Like that's the other thing too is <clears throat> once you have Rodgers as your starting quarterback, and you, you decide that Zach Wilson's going to hold the clipboard for a year and, and learn from the master, um, then you don't have anything behind those two guys. Like they're they're back up to Wilson right now is like I think a guy named Boyle or some such, 
And so, like, that's really the issue. Like, I'm sure if 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 Mike White was still with the Jets, remember Mike White? Um, Made an appearance like on the weekend with the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. He'd yeah. probably be playing this week, but they don't have anything behind Wilson. They don't want to make a tra- they don't want to give away any any draft capital or, or whatever to p- acquire a veteran quarterback to try to solve sh- this season. Like, I don't know, man. I, the, the worst thing about the Rodgers injury, and I think I mentioned this to you guys, is that I've already I've already seen this before. Like, I watched all of last year, and this is all it was: was the defense plays well enough to win, the special teams makes a play to keep you in the game. And then the offense spends two minutes to drive before it's three and out. <laughs> so it's like, I'm bored by it. Like, again, being a Jets fan is new and exciting ways to lose. I feel like I've already seen this before. I, I don't want to watch this again. <laughs> I was looking forward to Aaron Rodgers, you know, going three and out and taking a multitude of sacks because the offensive line sucks. I don't want to see Zach Wilson yeah, do it. That would have at least been more entertaining. Yeah. Uh, Wish, let's talk a little hockey. Um, A few days ago, you published your bold predictions for every NHL team. And you wrote of the Vancouver Canucks that the Elias Pettersson contract speculation will loom over everything. And is that not the typical media trying to pick out the juicy (laughs) storyline? Did you not hear Petey say it's not a distraction to him? It's just a distraction because the media is bringing it up. Um, what is your sense right now on PD? Like, do you have do you have a sense of like where are you leaning? Do you think he's going to sign, or do you think he's going to he's going to bolt like Kachuk bolted Calgary, like Dubois bolted Winnipeg, et cetera, et cetera? I don't know because like we we do have a little time here, you know, with with you know the restricted free agent part of of the equation, and I think he's stressed that in interviews as well, and so like. Do I think he's going to ultimately sign? I've always kind of felt like he will. I think it's a good spot for him. But when I wrote that, I wrote it in the sense of everything that happens to this team is going to be through that prism now. Like the Canucks go on a five-game losing streak. What does this mean for Pedersen? Is he he now disenchanted with the franchise? (laughs) Vancouver makes the playoffs as a wild card. Well, obviously, this is the emphatic moment in franchise history in which Elias Pedersen says, I'm going to stay. You know, like it, it's it's everything is going to be through that prism because he is such an important player to this franchise and such an amazing player in this league that I just think that you can't separate what's already been you know, like the biggest point of speculation around the team from whatever happens to the team this year. And I have to admit that when it comes to this bold prediction, our interactions have certainly informed that bold prediction because I don't think there's a time that we've I've come on this show in the last several months where his name and his contract didn't at least get a mention. Yeah, it's definitely a big part of the narrative of the season, and everything you said is accurate, whether people in Vancouver like it or not. Um, what do you think your boldest prediction was? Is there one that you're like, oh, the, I don't know if this is going to get done, if this is going to come true, but this was pretty fun? Probably the Coyotes coach getting the Jack Adams nomination, because mm. that would require the Coyotes to be within a reasonable distance of the wild card or potentially in the wild card. And I don't think it's out of the question that they could. I, I think they're they're going to be sneakily good. I like the moves they made in the offseason, Zucker, Damba. Obviously, we've already seen the kind of electricity that Logan Cooley is going to bring to the proceedings. Their goaltending, their goaltending wasn't terrible. And the Central Division is a place where if you are kind of a mid-team, you might be able to move up the standings a little bit based on the rest of that division looks like. So the idea that the Coyotes could be relevant or could be a contender, I think, is bold in and of itself. Um, but if they are, that dude is really well liked, and uh, and I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me to see him get the lion's share of the credit if they are uh, any anywhere near good. 
Um, you said of the Edmonton Oilers that they will play for the Stanley Cup, and interestingly enough, the Canucks play the Oilers in the first two games of the season, one in Vancouver and then the next one in Edmonton, and I was thinking for a Canucks team that needs to get off to a good start, this is a hell of a challenge because if you hear all the talk out of Edmonton, they're still talking about that Vegas series and how upset they were that they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, why do you think that the Oilers can get over the hump in the Western Conference this year? I like their depth. Um, I like the fact that Nugent Hopkins really leveled up last year, which I think is a key. It can't just be Connor and Leon all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, I think Bouchard was great in the second half of the season. I think he's going to be incredible this, for the full season this year. Like Once they traded Tyson Berry and Bouchard was kind of thrust into that role that Barry was playing, like he excelled. And I think he's just going to be great this year. The goaltending still scares me, <clears throat> but you can maybe remedy that at the deadline with somebody to pair with Skinner that's not Jack Campbell if you need to. I don't know. I, I just think I just think they're they're right there. And so <clears throat> I didn't mention this yet, but uh, Ardo, Cal, and I, our show, The Drop, is back this year. And we're going to be on twice a week. It's very exciting. Uh, we have a podcast. It'll be available through audio. So all the people who miss me on a podcast talking Perfect. hockey. I love you on a podcast. You can find it. Yeah, it's, it's great. great. So I'll, I'll, I'll watch, watch you, the uh, NHL and ESPN uh, t- uh, podcast feed, but I'll also tweet it out. Point of me saying this is that I, I, we did a Western Conference preview for later this week, and I talk about the Oilers. And, and the thing that makes me believe that they're going to at least play for the Cup this year is they have the insatiable hunger that I always associate with Nathan McKinnon <laughs> in the sense mm-hmm. that at some point, and I think we all saw it, McKinnon just decided that losing wasn't an option anymore. It was unpalatable. He was so angry with falling short of at least playing for a championship that they weren't going to lose again. And I think they, I think Leon and Connor reached that point last season. Leon was as despondent as McKinnon in his post-game comments. And from what I've been hearing about McDavid behind the scenes, like he, he was full on like, army general to these guys after the season, which I know does not sound like Connor McDavid, right? But I think the Connor in the locker room is different than the Connor that we see in the interviews. And I get the sense that these two guys are just fed up with the way that things have gone with, with falling short of playing for a championship. And when you get to that point and you're as talented as they are, I think you're going to play for a cup. Um, What do you think about Colorado heading into this season? I don't want to forget about Colorado because I feel like I kind of forgot about Vegas heading into last season, and then they go and win the Stanley Cup. Um, Colorado, I know they have some injury challenges, um, but, man, on paper, that team is still so, so good. They are. And I think the two things that intrigue me most about that team right now from an individual perspective how does Kale McCarr respond to not winning the Norris because of the season Eric Carlson has? Because, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's a chance he scores 102 points. <laughs> Just because <laughs> he wants to make sure that he gets it if it's based on points. And then the other thing I'm really fascinated by is, you know, I mentioned McKinnon before. And, like, he went to management and said, hey, listen, if Duran's available, he's my old buddy. He's yeah. my own line mate. Like, let's bring him in. And, and that's, that's, an ama- that's an amazing thing. Like, first of all, it's an amazing thing to reach out and, and go get him, right, if you're, if you're Colorado and you're doing that for McKinnon's sake. But the second thing is, is, like, can he still do it? Does he still have it? 
That's the real question. And, and, and that'd be a fascinating story if, if it actually works out that way, where he's still got something left in the tank and McKinnon's the guy to unlock it. We're speaking to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, in these bold predictions, which wish, without giving it away and encouraging everyone to go read them at ESPN.com, uh, can you explain why you're predicting that Connor Hellebuck is going to re-sign in Winnipeg? So two reasons. One, I think one of them will. I think either Shifley or Hellebuck will resign there. Okay. And the reason I think it could be Hellebuck is let's let's consider the goalie market, and let's consider how much money teams have to spend and how much they're willing to spend on goaltending at a, at a time where the Vegas Golden Knights have shifted the paradigm. That there are multiple teams now that are doing what Vegas did and try to throw a bunch of goalies at the problem. Right in the hopes that they can find one at the right time. Pittsburgh's doing it. L.A., to a certain extent, is doing it. And so the idea that, that someone's going to spend that kind of money on, on a goaltender isn't necessarily guaranteed anymore in this league. I mean, the cap's going up, but it's not going up that much. So the part of it that I think is, is, is possible is that Winnipeg would spend that money. <laughs> like, they have it. He's great. He's a known co- commodity to them. He's their franchise guy. Um, once, you know, we get to next season, they're going to have even more cap space than they do now. And so like, I, I think the combination of those two things, and plus he's really kind of a low key guy. And I, I, I'm not convinced that he wants to be in a much larger market than Winnipeg leads me to believe that there's a chance that he could resign there. We saw the Calgary Flames the, the other day. Uh, they looked good. Saw a lot of them against the uh, Canucks AHL team, uh, 10, nothing <laughs> final by the Calgary Flames. Um, obviously the vibes were good in Calgary that night. Um, you know, most of us here in Vancouver were like, well, that's the AHL team. Although we did pick a few things there that we didn't like. Um, what do you think, uh, what do you think about the Calgary Flames this season? Do you think they're going to bounce back after firing Daryl Sutter? I I do. And I I just wonder how big that bounce back is going to be. They're the tricky one. They're kind of the X factor for me in that division. I do, I do have the. Canucks making the playoffs, which means that it has to come at the detriment of the Calgary Flames. Right. But I do think that the possibility is there that it, it's going to flip-flop and it'll be the Flames get in and the, and the Canucks don't, just because without Sutter there, you're going to see everybody kind of exhale a little bit. You're going to see guys that had tr- like terrible seasons last year, like Huberto probably turning things around. Um, and and I, I, they, they're a very talented roster. The question is, is uh, again, for me, you know, they're still tr- they're still trying to overcome the loss of two franchise level offensive players, and I still feel like this team, despite the talent on it, is a, a bunch of you know planets in search of a sun, for lack of a better a mishmash you know, kind metaphor. of metaphor. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know you look at the rest of the teams in in that division; they all have focal points. I mean, the Kings have their veteran core. Vegas is you know Eichel and Pietrangelo and guys like that. Stone. Uh, Connor and Leon, you know, in, in Vancouver, I mean, the core of that team is the best thing about that team. Mm-hmm. And in Calgary, I still, it still feels like a bunch of supporting actors in search of a star. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's the thing that kind of still holds me back. I still feel like that franchise is reeling from the loss of, of Kachuk and, and Goudreau. And I'm not sure if they're, I mean, they're, they're good. They're talented, but I don't know what the sum total of that eventually looks like. Wish, you're the best, bud. Thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the Jets game this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> we'll sorry. Do, sorry, buddy. We'll sorry. do this again next Tuesday.
I mean, the only way I'm enjoying the Jets game this weekend is if Taylor Swift shows up again. So oh, it's a possibility. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's <laughs> pretty much it. to look forward to. Yeah, good. Thanks, Wish. Take care. Yep. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Someone did astutely point out that Taylor Swift may have either entered or exited Arrowhead on the weekend in a gigantic popcorn machine. Oh, we'll read that what we learned later. I, I need more details <laughs> about that. Uh, it is time now for the Everything Financial Report with Peter Shashegi. You may think getting a proper financial plan is a long, cumbersome, and difficult process, and that's why you don't have one. Well, you're wrong. It isn't. Give Peter Shashecki and his team at Everything Financial just one hour of your time, and they'll get you on the road to financial freedom with their Omni Formula Express plan. Uh, he'll give you a few minutes of our time right now. Joining us now, Peter Shashecki from Everything Financial here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing pretty well. We're hoping for some inflation from the Canucks this season to bring their point uh, up a little bit and hopefully make the playoffs. Um, I want to talk about inflation with you, though. Um, why is it not going down? Well, first off, let Justin Trudeau run the, run the hockey team. You'll have inflation in no time. Okay, there we go. I digress from politics and hockey. Why isn't inflation going down? Well, first off, all those interest rates of last year, all those interest rates hike we were all crying through and getting sick to our stomach, they take 12 to 15 months to affect inflation. So it's not like if you raise an interest rate, oh, inflation should go down tomorrow. Um, no, it takes a long time, no different than a hockey team getting a player and it might take three to four years or the Jets starting quarterback could take a decade before he can throw a decent pass. So if you're looking at 12 months ahead or 18 months ahead, the market is forecasting that interest rates will eventually go down. Is that what you're thinking as well? Yeah, and every economist is seeing the hikes are taking effect. Interest rates um, will go down because they have to stay within 2% of inflation or they can cause a major recession, more so uh, than really the one we're already in. The only issue with them not going down fast enough, and this was said, this isn't me talking politics, this was said by the Bank of Canada, is the government is supposed to be separate from the Bank of Canada. And as the Bank of Canada said in the last two press releases, we're taking our direction from the government of Canada. So what the government of Canada did hmm. back in June is changed how we calculate inflation to make inflation higher than it really is to justify the interest rates that they have not lowered yet. So why so why why is that? Longer. Why did they do that? Well, the, the government, and, and this is what the government said, they have the audacity to say that we can control the housing crisis by raising interest rates. Now, you guys were not that far off. I'm a little older than you guys, but your parents will remember the interest rates of the early 80s of 18 to 20%. Well, it didn't control the housing price prices then, and it's not going to control the housing prices now. So what the government did is they took these high mortgage payments and included them now in the interest rate calculation. And, and high mortgage rates are actually deflationary, not inflationary. So the real rate of inflation is 3.2%. But the government has to justify its narrative saying they're controlling housing prices for low-income people to get the prices down. But it's, it's all like anything else, like trying to find a good hockey player in a trade. It's supply and demand. And the more people there is 
to buy a house, which there is right now because of all the people in Canada that they've let in, which is fine, let them in, but you're not going to be able to control housing prices if you have a bunch more buyers for houses. It's just simple mathematics. It's a tough situation. I'm sure you got a lot of advice for the people that come to see you. Thanks for joining us today, Peter. Enjoy sports because sports is back. Well, sports at least lets us get away from reality for the most part, we hope. Unlike last night's football game, which told me that sports is really boring on Monday night. (laughs) Thanks, Peter. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. That's uh, Peter Shashecki from Everything Financial. You can visit them online at everythingfinancial.com or call 1-888-424-4421 and get your complimentary introductory meeting booked today. We've got a lot more to get to on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 7 o'clock hour is on the horizon. We are going to be joined by a first-time guest. Josh Dover is going to join the program at 7.30 from Denver Sports Radio. Denver, Jason. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on in Denver. We can talk about every single team is interesting. First of all, the Avalanche. Except the Rockies. Yeah, except the Rockies. Oh, yeah, I forgot about them. That's why they're not interesting. So many interesting teams. Uh, The Avs are interesting. Uh, The Nuggets just won the NBA title. Um, The Broncos are very interesting and fun. And the University of Colorado. They took it on the chin in Oregon over the weekend, but I don't think that's going to stop the attention that Deion Sanders is going to get. Um, In the next segment, we've got an open segment. And I want to uh, revisit the conversation that we had yesterday about Pod Colson. And he does seem to be, uh, he's becoming a focal figure uh, in this preseason for the Vancouver Canucks. It's kind of like it's his time now to go under the spotlight. And it happens to every struggling young player at some point, right? You go back to Jake. Jake had multiple spotlights. Ole Ulevi had a big spotlight. Um, and it's I'm sure it's hard for these players. I'm sure it's very difficult. But I want to get your thoughts into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Um, I put up a poll on Twitter yesterday And I'm going to read the results, and it's just basically a barometer of where Canucks fans are on certain young players in the organization. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.